Yeah, so I'm Sean White um, uh, on Instagram. I'm a blue collar harvester, and then also have the Mountain Dot Vision page for the for the podcast, the Mountain Vision podcast. Um, so yeah, check that out, and then and then uh, yeah. So for me, I I started off hunting. I didn't grow up hunting in a in a hunting family or anything like that. I just um, I actually grew up like riding dirt bikes and riding BMX and skateboarding and just doing stuff like that. And then, uh, and then probably what, I think I started duck hunting like 14 years ago or something like that. Um, and then, uh, had a chocolate lab, trained her myself and took a lot of pride in, in her retrieving skills and, um, and stuff like that so that that, that kind of got that was kind of my passion honestly like just working with the dog and seeing her uh be successful and it was like proud dad moments um waterfowl hunting with her and then she passed a couple years ago and um oh actually yeah i guess it's been a couple years and duck hunting slowed down there for a couple years but i'm kind of getting excited about it again now and thinking about getting another dog and um as far as big game hunting goes, I've only been doing that for, I think this is my fifth year. So, um, I only have one deer under my belt, so I'm a, I'm a rookie with that, but I'm learning every time I go and I love every minute of it. I'm addicted. Um, I've been on like an antelope hunt and elk hunt and stuff like that with my wife's uncle and, um, deer hunts with other people and stuff like that. But yeah, that's pretty much my my story as far as hunting goes, um, yeah, it's kind of started from waterfowl hunting and dove hunting and chucker hunting and pheasant hunting and duck hunting and stuff like that. But, um, so what about you, Jeff? Want to introduce yourself and your, your, uh, podcast? Yeah. Um, I'm Jeff Paganini. Uh, Instagram stuff is calfowl, like C-A-L underscore foul, F-O-W-L. Um, this whole podcasting thing's new. You helped me out with getting all the gear set up and everything, but it's a day's end outdoors, like the end of days outdoors, but vice versa. Um, dude, like you, I, I didn't grow up in a hunting family at all. In fact, I was the first person to start hunting in my family, which was right after high school. I was probably 19 or something like that. Got into waterfowl hunting with some buddies, and then he eventually got my brother into it. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I just... Grew up fly fishing like no other on the northern sack from a, grew up in a small town like south of uh, Mount Shasta called Dunsmere, like 1,200 people on a good day kind of town. And uh, yeah, got my brother into duck hunting and then he got me into big game hunting who a buddy of ours got him into and so on and so forth, but only been big game hunting for two years, so you have one more deer than I have because I just have a wall full of empty tags. That's pretty depressing to look at. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you definitely you definitely put the effort in. Like, I see it all the time, you know. Like, you're out trying to get after it. and It's, it's cool to watch, like, your whole thing. I listen to your podcast all the time. Like, I just listened to your most recent episode, which was pretty much summing out. Like, I think that it's called The Struggle is Real. And I can <laughs> totally, dude, I can totally agree to that. Like, just from my two elk hunts that I've done. So, yeah, well, to do, to me, it's like, it's, I don't know. Sometimes it feels laughable, dude. Cause like some guys are just out 
some guys just have it figured out. They either they either have more time to put in than I do, or they've been doing it longer, or or whatever it is. But some guys just figure it out quicker than others. And I like for me, I'm just trying to keep it real, dude. And I'm like, you know, I I I was kind of quiet for a while, like for a couple of weeks, dude. I'm like just struggling, man. I, like I'm like I can't just keep posting scouting pictures, dude. Like I gotta post a picture eventually of something that I've actually killed, and I just can't seem to figure it out but i'm just like dude i'm just gonna keep it real and just maybe people can relate to it you know because i can't i don't know man it's it's tough california is tough and we were were talking on the phone earlier and you know like i feel like people guys in california don't get enough credit we were kind of talking about how you know the deer numbers here are so low and they're just it's just such a it's such a grind trying to be successful um same with waterfowl hunting. I mean, there's numbers, but by the time that those ducks get down here, um, and I think, th- I think you might be even a little bit more die, die hard into duck hunting than I am. Um, but I mean, we, we definitely both have a passion for it. I can, I can tell you do. And, um, but yeah, by the time those ducks get down here, they're, they're weary as hell. I mean, they've been hunted from Canada to Washington, to Oregon. And by the time they get through Northern California and it freezes up there, then they push down here and, they're smart dude and so guys that are successful down here um i think are like a force to be reckoned with out of state like some of these other states they just have they just have it i think you know i i don't want to say they have it easy it's still tough but it's a hell of a lot easier than here that's for sure don't you think dude yeah i was it's like it's tough being out here and trying to go like trust me like big game hunting like i went on like a couple trips and like scouting for deer and like how we were talking earlier was, you know, looked at, looked at a Brett and I go, man, we've seen like 30 does. Like there's gotta be a buck that comes out. And then he looks at me and goes, you sure it's not the same two does, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's, it's hard for us too though, to like walk that fine line of going like California hunting is extremely hard and not be like out of state is easy. Cause like, I've only elk hunted out of state. Like I had a deer tag last year and could have had a shot on like a couple does. And then this year, dude, I swear they get the regs and know what comes in your mail. Cause this year <laughs> my brother and I were like, let's not get deer tags. And then we came around one little like point on this finger Ridge and there's a, a like huge three by three, like 60 yards out just stops and turns and looks at me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great. But that's like more bucks than I've seen here in California yeah you know, it's it's crazy dude like the difficulty that everybody goes through and I, I don't think like out of state i mean i'm not sure how they deal with like agricultural systems or something like that um but like the biggest thing i found out <clears throat> is a zone hunting sucks unless you <laughs> hike in 50 gallon you know you roll a 55 gallon drum of water to your spot yeah three months ahead of time and you're like cool Like I'll be back here in two months because it's like 95 degrees. You're not seeing Jack, you know, it's like everybody says like a zone, you know, like a lot of people kill bucks on a zone. Yeah. Uh, uh, private property, you know, and it's like, I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, come out here and shoot these bucks. You know, they're either hunting them themselves or they don't want anybody hunting it. So yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like I, the biggest problem to me with a zone is the lack of water. And, uh, I know Brett can agree with this because 
I got heat exhaustion or like heat stroke on one hunt we went on and it was like trying to ration water and I just like sat through all my water and I, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So <laughs> it's I'm not a fan of that, dude. I just, I like to be able to be like, okay, like look on my GPS and be like, there's a spring here. Like I'm, I'm going to go hit it up real quick. Yeah. Have you hunted, have you hunted up in the Sierras? Yeah, I did a, uh, I did a little solo backpack hunt, um, one day, just drove up there. I think that was D3 and it was like, I jumped on the PCT, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. And it was just hiker after hiker after hiker. And I go, well, they're not going to be here, you know, but there's a lot of water up there. So I was like, this is a little bit more promising than A-Zone. So I might have to come back up here next season or something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I, uh, especially this season with COVID, like everybody, nobody had anything better to do than to go up into the mountains and get away. So like, you know, the scouting season, I I was hiking all those trails and I kept backpacking. I mean, I was going over five miles in at a time and just trying to go to these remote lakes and just glass some basins and stuff that I was finding on Google Earth and on X and stuff. And it was like, I would go to, I mean, I was like five or six miles out at, couple different trips at these remote lakes and there was literally i'm not even exaggerating like 30 people at each one of those lakes (laughs) i was like dude this is not normal i mean it's usually like you might see somebody or a couple people on the trail or something but it was crazy but anyways i think the moral of the story like that i'm finding out especially when it's that busy is just get completely away from trails and roads and everything at least like a, at least a mile or more even oh yeah even if it's you know typically like a remote area i mean i don't know <laughs> i'm not an ex i'm still trying to figure it out but everybody i talk to is like um is just saying get get off the trails which is i mean it's kind of common sense but it's easier said than done especially like in i don't know dude i've been trying to narrow down um some of these areas and it's like anywhere around the Tahoe area in all these remote remote lakes, there's, there's trails everywhere, man. Like there's hiking trails and snowflakes hiking around everywhere. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I totally agree with that. Like you brought up COVID, which is like something that I think I, dude, I think you nailed it right on the head it was like, uh, everybody was so just like, clammed up you know and then they finally were just like f this i'm going out you know and yeah next thing you know is like for instance when my brother and i went to idaho uh i was like hey last year we stayed at this campground we're gonna go hit that back up again we when we got into town and into the unit we went and drove for two and a half three hours and could not find an open campsite that didn't have like a hunting party in it or just, like, recreational people who just, like, drove their trailers out there, you know, or their RVs and were just dirt bikes everywhere and just having a good old time. And I looked at my brother and I go, this is going to (laughs) suck. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I've been, I've been, I don't know, like I said, again, I I, I don't want to, I just keep reiterating the fact that I'm I'm learning as I go because I don't ever want to, like, come across like I know what I'm talking about necessarily, so... But as I go, I'm learning and talking to other people and just, um, you know, even though you're like backpacked in 
a bunch of miles, if you're still on the trail, there's still a possibility of, of hikers and people that are being loud and people, people riding uh, bikes and dirt bikes. And even when they're not supposed to be on the trail on off-road vehicles or whatever, sometimes they are. And it's like, it just ruins the hunt, dude. It's like, it's like you just have, I, th- I think spending more time on e-scouting and really like digging in and planning to, to get off of those trails uh, is going to be the key next year. That's my plan anyways. Like this year, like I said, I, I kept during scouting season, I was running all these COVID people just hitting the, hitting the hills and hitting the mountains. And I, and I, I got kind of discouraged from the, the backpacking thing. Cause I was putting all this effort and planning into backpack hunting or backpack scouting and planning all these hunts and stuff. And I was just running into an insane amount of people that I finally was like, you know what, dude, like this year's screwed because of COVID. I'm just going to, um, you know, just kind of, I mean, sort of wing it really. I mean, I was still e-scouting and stuff, but I was trying to find places that are closer to roads that I could, that I could truck camp and, and use my trailer or whatever, and just kind of still work my butt off like I have been, but, um, not worry so much about backpacking. And I, I don't know, dude, I, th- I think it's still the way to go. If you want to try to find bucks in California anyways, is just to get away from people. <laughs> so, yeah. Get away from them. Hike in with about 40 pounds of corn, dump it, throw a game trail, <laughs> game camera up and sit and wait for the next week. Uh, dude. Oh man. You, you mentioned it in your podcast. Your most recent one was the gray ghost. And I, I like, dude, it hits the nail on the head right there because it's like when you want to see them you never do and then when you don't want to see them they're everywhere yeah man it's like you know like i've been on camping trips and this and that like this season and like with the family and i'll like we'll go on a camping trip or whatever and we'll just be walking down the lake and three or four bucks will just run out on the road right in front of you like as you're walking down to the lake and it's like dude in the middle of the day like really what 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 is going on here but it's i don't know they they know it's like i don't know well, yeah. it's frustrating they all have p.o boxes at the local you know post office <laughs> and they just run down grab the reg book double check their calendar and then they're like time to go guys <laughs> seriously dude my brother and I were laughing. We're like, we're pretty sure there's only three deer in California and one of them got hit by a truck. So yeah, dude. Oh man. Yeah. I, mean, I dude, I got to give it to the guys that go out there and make it happen every year. Like right on to those guys, you know, like, yeah, put, putting them down, putting the miles in doing all their research, you know, but like you said, is like for you and for me is like, it, it's, it's a big learning experience, especially like, I mean, you're miles and miles ahead of me. Cause I haven't really put, put down any effort here in California for big game, but it's like, dude, these guys who do it, you know, they've been hunting for quite some time. And I, I mean, I could just imagine how tough it is, you know, especially for cause you want to get, get out and fill a tag this year, right? Yeah. I, I pretty much have this weekend and the following weekend, I got too much going on. So this is my last weekend, this, this coming weekend. So <laughs> We'll yeah. see. Are you going to be taking your bow or are you going to go out with a rifle? Oh, I'm taking my rifle, dude. I don't, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not playing around anymore. The boomstick's coming out. Boomstick's out. Yeah. I, yep. and I'm not picky, dude. I mean, I eventually, if I get, 
the skill down and I get better, I'll be a little bit more picky. But, but yeah, in California, dude, just I mean, I mean, honestly, I haven't seen a buck since archery season. And, really? And I mean, I I don't get out. I mean, I try to get out as much as I can, but I I don't get out as much as I as I as I want. But I mean, I pretty much I feel like I've been working hard at it, and I yeah, like I said, I've seen I haven't seen a buck since archery season, dude. And it's kind of, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but I'm just being honest. Like I, I don't, uh, I haven't been backpacking this this season, and I think, I, I'm, I think I bet you next year, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty much probably going to solely backpack hunt next year and just try to get out there, just away from everything, <laughs> because yeah. you just have to, I think. Unless you're lucky, I mean, I could you could get lucky and run into something, but in the areas I'm going to, I've seen bucks before. I've I've seen bucks in archery season, and there's there's sign everywhere. Uh, but I just, you know, once the, they they know when the seasons change, man, it's like they, I don't know, a couple a few shots. And you know what's funny, dude? That brings up a point. Like the last few times I've gone out, a few weekends or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously it's rifle season. You hear, you hear people sighting in their rifles off in the distance, dude, just, and not that far away. They're just out there sighting in their rifles. It's like, dude, this is not the time you guys, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's do all our preseason stuff during the season. This is a brilliant idea. Dude, it is drives me nuts every single day, dude. It's just driving me insane. I'm like, seriously, you're just, you're just firing off your high powered rifle right now. Like as I'm, as I'm trying to find deer, it is just so frustrating. Like, do that shit before you come up here. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk gear because you talk about backpack hunting. I did. I mean, we did backpack hunting last year in Idaho. This year we had a base camp and stuff. And I was actually texting a buddy who's out to Montana. Um, he's going out to Montana. Leaves tomorrow, and he's like, "Hey, man, like, what gear did you not bring that you wish you would have brought?" And I was just like here's what goes in my pack, here's how I divvied up food, here's what's in this Tupperware container, and here's what's in that Tupperware container, like, boom. So, like, when when you go backpack hunting, like, is there any gear you always, always, always want on you? Or, like, what's your most crucial piece of equipment besides, like, your rifle or your bow when you go out? Um, now, my in-reach... Uh, my Garmin inReach is, dude, it's awesome, dude. I, I, I don't know, how, I don't know why I haven't had it sooner, but it's, it's nice to be able to. It just gives you peace of mind, dude. And like, um, when you're, you know, if anything, dude, like if you twist your ankle and you're five miles out or more, like you're screwed, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, being able to hit that button or message your wife or whatever, letting you, let her know you need help or. Like this, like actually this past weekend, it was, it was, which I think I mentioned it in that last podcast, but I, it was cool because I was getting discouraged and my wife would respond to me like just with encouraged, you know, words of encouragement and stuff. And it was, it actually like really helped because, you know, in in my mind, dude, it's like, man, I'm like, I'm the man of the house. Like, I don't want to come out here and just keep wasting time, like spending time away from my family, like not bringing anything home. Like 
I want to be able to come home and pound my chest and say, yeah, I did that, dude. I got one. But it's like, I just keep coming home empty handed. So like when she says like, go get that buck, it's out there. Like you can do it. You know, it's like, I'm like, hell yeah, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to get this done, dude. And it's like, it helps like put a little extra pep in my step. Dude. Yeah. That support system's crucial. Yeah. But, and then, and then on top of that, which kind of goes hand in hand, but is, uh, I don't even know what it's called, but it's just a little recharging unit that you charge up before you go and it, and then you can recharge your phone or your Garmin or whatever electronic devices you have. Yeah. And that thing, like, I don't even know how long it lasts, but it, I've never ran it all the way down. It, uh, I, I recharge my phone like multiple times, my in reach, I recharge a couple times. I don't even think I've ran it down to 50% yet. And, and I mean, I'm just talking like four days at a time, but it's pretty, pretty legit. Oh yeah. I, my brother and I actually got uh solar chargers. They have three USB outputs on them got them off Amazon. Oh yeah. And dude, that, I mean, cause when we were, when we were elk hunting, it was like always on Onyx, you know, and like if you save your offline maps and go on airplane mode, you save a bunch of battery. Yep. But there are some areas where like you peek out. And of course, I'm the kind of guy that's like, I mean, I don't have a Garmin inReach and I, I, we were talking about buying one, but never drove into town to get one. Yeah. And it's like, if I ever get to like the top, I'm, hey, I'm checking for service, you know, and it's like, I'll sit there, have a snack. And then I look and I was like, wow, I just drained a lot of battery on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you use, like, the tracking mode and stuff, which I do quite a bit. Uh, like, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, and um, um, he mentioned, like, especially, like, if you, if you go scouting an area and then you plan on hiking in in the dark, um, if you go in during the day to scout it and put your tracker on, and then um, check it out, and then you decide, yeah, yeah, I want to come in tomorrow morning or the next whatever, next time you come out in the dark, you can turn that on and, and save that track and follow that track in in the dark. That way you know where you're going. Um, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that I we use the tracking thing all the time just to measure, like, distances, but yeah, you can get pretty turned around in the dark if you haven't really been there, all, you know, like, quite frequently. Yep. So I totally understand. That's a smart move to go in during your scouting and put your tracker on. And then you come back for, you know, for the opener or something mid season and you just hit that same, same line and take you where you want to go. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, every time you use that tracker, I think it uses a little bit more battery too. So just kind of, you know, adding to the subject of recharging and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I think of myself as like a gear snob, but I'm, I think we all are to an extent, but like, uh, I, I am like to the point where I have a wife and kids, so I can't, I can't spend like all every dime on, on gear. So like, there's a ton of stuff that I want to get dude. And like, I, I, I try to like, I try to be really smart with every purchase I get so like, but right, right now, I mean, all my gear is pretty much like fair weather gear. It's all California, like gear. Like I don't have any like heavy winter stuff yet. Cause I just haven't done a hunt like that really. But, um, if I ever plan a, a late season hunt and out of state or 
or wherever, then I'll I'll invest in some gear and and stuff like that. But uh, I just have a, a pretty lightweight um, synthetic bag, and then uh, you know I think I have a three season. Um, it's a two person tent, which is a little heavier, but I just like I don't know I like comfort. Especially like I even had, I don't know if you've, uh, have you used one of those Helinox chairs, those little lightweight chairs? No, but is that, uh, I think I read an article just the other week about like a lot of guys taking those in for, uh, for like glassing chairs. Yeah, dude, they're, there's dude. Cause that's been honestly, like I, I won't take it on every hunt, but like if I, every single day hunt I ever go on, I take that thing with me because I don't mind carrying a little extra weight, especially like a day, like a day hunt, you're not really carrying a ton of weight. So adding a little lightweight chair is, isn't shit, you know? So like, um, but I, I found over the couple last couple of years, like if I get to an area that I think I want to glass, like get out the binos and put them on a tripod or something and glass and like spend some time there. Like if I don't, if I can't find a comfortable place to sit, I'm just not going to end up, doing it and i feel like it's important to do it so I, I feel like if you can be comfortable and and it gets you to sit there a little bit longer behind the binoculars then it's probably worth it so you you touch basis on your previous podcast about having add and not being able to glass as much yeah <laughs> dude, dude so i'm the i'm the same way because it's like dude i i can't like Hiking, you know, you get to the trailhead, whatever, you sleep in your truck, you wake up next morning, you hike in real early, and then it's like, for me, I'll glass the first two hours, you know, like first light, yeah, and then two hours after, and then, like, I cannot sit in the same spot until it starts getting dark. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is, so it's like, screw screw this, I'm, I'm moving, we're making moves, let's go. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm still trying to figure out, honestly, like, um, again, just being transparent, like I, I hear some people be like, oh yeah, you need to just stay behind the glass all day long. You just stay there and you pick the area apart. And then you talk to somebody else and they're like, no, you just give it a couple hours. If it doesn't look promising, like get out of there, go somewhere else and check another spot. And then you talk to other people and they're like glass for the first couple hours and then just still hunt the rest of the day until the evening and then go back to that same spot and glass for a couple hours. <laughs> it's like, well, which is it dude? Cause I can't, I don't know. I can't figure it no. out. Dude, that <laughs> that last part, glass for a couple hours, still hunt, and then come back and glass, that's my kind of, that's that's my jam right there. Yeah, that's kinda <laughs> how I am too. And and in the past, in the past few years I've been like I get like obsessed with areas, dude. I'm like this area just looks good, man. I just like it. It's beautiful. I wanna spend some time here. And I just and I stay there. And because I see tracks or whatever, but like I like, I just won't see deer or I'll see deer every once in a while and I'll just stay there. But I, I need, I've, I've been finding this season that like the more I move around and the more I go check out different areas, the more I find that there's like, there's way better areas out there than, than I realized. Like, like there's, there's other areas that have more water, more feed, way more sign and stuff like that. And I just, I just didn't know it before because I just kept staying in the same spot. More mountain lions, more bears, you know. <laughs> Dude. Typ- typical California hunting. You're not the only predator in the woods, right? Dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it's funny the the barrier the bear areas are they kind of trip me out man it's like i feel like some areas are just just loaded with them and then some aren't at all and there's way more deer which is you know it makes sense but then yeah i don't know mountain lions are what scare me <laughs> dude so so touching back on on that california hunt where i got a got heat exhaustion I, I was stopping like every 50 yards, pouring water, you know, trying to drink water, pouring some water on my head. And I was like, dude, I'm burning up. And then I got this eerie feeling and I turned around and I saw a bobcat, right? Like 80 yards, he was 80 yards out, just sitting there watching me. And I was like, okay, yeah, a little bobcat, whatever, no big deal. And, uh, I, I was hunting with Brett at the time and I know Brett, I mean, he still gives me shit, but he understands cause I bounced out cause I was sick as a dog. Um, and I kept walking, dude, and I kept getting this really eerie feeling. And I texted Brett, and I was like, hey, man, I'm jamming home. I'm sick as a dog. He's like, all right, whatever. I woke up the next morning, looked on his Instagram, and approximately, like, in the general area where I had stopped the last time and been like, this is really eerie. I feel like something's kind of watching me, you know? You get that sixth sense. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. He saw a big mountain lion, just a big old cat just walk on by. Dude. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. I was like, that's pretty wild. All right. Dude, it's weird, huh? Like, I, I think that sixth sense, like, is usually, I think there's usually something to it, man. Like, because there's been areas where, like, I can just feel the presence of, of danger or bears or whatever. And, like, and there will be, like, that day, I'll run into just, like, a handful of bears, dude, and, like, no deer. And then there's other areas where I'm like super low key, like I feel fine, like everything feels great, and there's a bunch of deer. <laughs> it's like you can feel it, dude. Yep. So weird. And what's funny is we were talking too at the trucks the night before. We're sitting there talking, and we're talking about like how you can't hunt mountain lions here in California. And uh, I go, dude, I go, I've seen bobcats, I've seen bears. I have yet to see a wolf, and I've yet to see a cat, and I really want to see a cat. And then the following day, he sees a mountain lion. <laughs> and I was like, shit, what are the odds there, huh? Oh, man. Dude, did you see that? I'm sure anybody, everybody in the country probably saw that video this last week of that mountain lion chasing that dude down the trail. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. my. <laughs> I, have, I have mixed feelings about that guy because from, from, I mean, my perspective is like, First off, the dude's filming a couple cubs, right? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but it's like when I see a cub, the first thing is like, where's the mom? Yeah. That's that's my first response all the time. And then I'm like, that was in Utah, right? I don't even know where it was. I think I heard that was in Utah. I could be wrong, but I'm like, all right, dude, you're all by yourself. You're going to go running through the woods on your morning run and not have a firearm on you and now i don't know what their laws or the legality is or anything like that but whenever i go out into the woods i would really like to carry a pistol with me yeah that's like touch bases back on california is how we can't do that is just it makes no sense to me but i mean like it makes sense to somebody else i guess in archery season yep yeah yeah i know it's that's it's it's bs if you ask me Yep, and I, I just can't uh, – uh, watching that video as I'm sitting there and I'm like, first off, this guy's all out by himself in the middle of nowhere filming mountain lion cubs, not not even worried like, 
yeah, like there, there could be a mom around here. You know, he's like, oh, look at this. And the mom comes around the corner and then he's like, oh, shit just got real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, what I know. did you think was going to happen? They were going to cuddle with you or something? Like, come on, man. Well, dude, I feel like that's like, I feel like hunters are kind of just, we're just aware of it because we, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've never even seen a mountain lion in, in the, in the wild, but like, we just know like it, with a bear or a, or a cat or whatever, like if you see a baby, like mama's around somewhere, but I think people like that, they're just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I always want to jump to politics. Prone, but he's prone to accidents and just <laughs> yeah. very oblivious. <laughs> well, he's just a, he's just a runner, dude. He doesn't like, you know, like there's, there's people that just take the trail, take to the trails all the time here too. They're just like oblivious, man. Like they're just, they just got their, their running gear and they're just out for a run. Like I ran into some guys, the scouting season that were, they were on some kind of marathon dude. And they didn't have water. They ran out of water and they still had a couple miles to go. And I was like, dude, you guys can have some of my water. And they're like, it was just, it's weird, man. It's like, these people don't think they're just, it's like, they've never done it before. And they don't really know. They don't know what they're doing. Dude. I say intelligence jumped a generation because <laughs> Like, I mean, look at everything that happened, right? Was it South Dakota or whatever? That lady got attacked by that, by that bison, you know? And I mean, how many bison attacks? Like, how many viral videos do you have to watch of animal-human <laughs> interactions going south yeah. until you become that video? Dude, it's, <laughs> it's like they're wild animals, man. They're not, they're not freaking cartoons. Yeah, you know, I don't know. They ex- they expect like Bambi and the mountain lion to just jump out of the aspens and start dancing together, singing a song, you know? Yeah, dude. It's so weird. Uh, it's interesting, that's for sure. It's 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 weird, man. Talking, I don't I don't know why I always want to steer to politics, but I feel like every time I talk to somebody that's on the more left leaning side, and and I'm not necessarily fully right leaning, but like when you when you run into someone that's fully like left leaning. Uh, as far as political side, like, and you talk about hunting and like, I don't know, man, it's, it's like a total disconnect. And I, and I understand it. Cause like I said, like I didn't, I didn't come from a hunting family. So even some of my family is like, what you want to hunt a bear? Why, why do you want to do that? Like it's, it, it's just interesting. Dude. I, I, I continuously have discussions with guys who, I mean, whether they're hardcore left or whatever, they just don't understand, um, like the act of conservation, right? And for for instance, I mean, we could get like hardcore conspiracy theory here. But like, look look at everything going on, right? Um, like the ammo shortage here in California right now and stuff like that, and the you can't hunt bears with hounds, you know, you can't hunt mountain lions. It's like it's almost getting to a point to where they're going to be like, okay, like natural has its own ecosystem to maintain a sustainable population now. Yeah. So you can't hunt here. See ya. <laughs> and, and dude, I've, trust me, with the way California's going, is that I don't think that's far fetched at all. I don't either, so. but honestly, like this this year, I feel like is is honestly like helping um, the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know dude I feel like people are coming to reality and going oh oh shit like this does suck <laughs> yeah there is homeless everywhere and like we like, you know the grocery stores don't always have everything and uh you know it's like 
people are, I, th I think hopefully people are starting to wake up a little bit, but we'll see. Dude, touching grocery stores like that. One day I was during the lockdown, I went and I was like, Oh look, like they have bread today. Like when the hell have you ever gone into a store and been stoked that they have bread? <laughs> Not just like your specific sourdough or your wheat or your white bread, like just bread in general. Yeah. Like, yep. never in my lifetime. I just burst out laughing. The lady in the aisle next to me was just like, are you okay? And I was like, you have no idea what I was going through my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was like with everything, like at one point when they thought the, I don't even know if it ever happened, but like the meat, the Tyson chicken factory or whatever was going to shut down and like, all of a sudden, there was just no chicken anywhere. And I was like, yeah. dude, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Dude, it's, I, I was like super low-key at first with this whole thing. I'm like, dude, I'm not like, I'm not going to be part of the problem. I'm just going to get what I need and blah, blah, blah. And like when the toilet paper shortage started, like our family was kind of helping each other out. We'd like get an extra package here or there and help each other out. And we were all good. But like, I don't know, at one point, Maybe it's because I know I'm such a shitty hunter that I wouldn't be able to find any meat in the wild. <laughs> I was like, you know what, dude? I'm going to fill up my freezer with some chicken, dude. So I turned on my chest freezer and started buying a bunch of chicken and stuff and uh, started filling it up. But <laughs> Dude, the, the toilet paper shortage was hysterical. They were rationing rolls at my local store. Yeah. I was like, this is out of control. It's so. Yeah, it's worse down where you are because you're uh, down in the North Bay I'm over like east of Sacramento, so like uh, our our county is a little bit more um, conservative. So like we've been able to eat out of restaurants for a while now. Like I went to San Mateo in Half Moon Bay a couple weekends ago, and uh, everybody had to wear masks even outside, dude. Like at the beach, I was like, um, this is the freshest air we can get. dude. It's coming off the Pacific Ocean, and you guys are wearing masks. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Anyways, yep. we're getting off into a I know. We went down tangent. one deep-ass rabbit hole, huh? Yeah. It's all good. Everybody's thinking about it. <laughs> I know. I, well, that's like, dude, uh, at work, I'm usually, you know, hey, let's not talk politics, but it's like, I got guys that are on the right, guys that are on the left, and guys in between, and I just came to him one day, and I go, all right, listen, we can talk about it. It's happening in the world right now. You know, the second anybody gets super upset and voices start raising, I go, we're going back to work. Yeah. Yeah. I go, we need, you know, and that's how, I'm like, I'm pretty neutral. I like to see both sides of it before I make a decision. Same here. You know, but it's like I'm not hardcore left or extreme hardcore right. You know, I do lean a little to the right, but yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm open minded, which I think, I think more people are either becoming more open minded or, um, they need to be. So, yep. Yeah. It's definitely shouldn't be just a two party system, but anyways, yeah, that's a, that's a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so where are you, uh, what, what's your plans for the podcast or what is your, what is your, um, do you have any main goals or, or, um, anything like that? What's your, uh, what's your, what's your plans? Dude, I just like to, I can talk hunting for hours and my wife kind of laughed as I like came in here. She's like, all right, so I'll see you tomorrow. And I go, <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in like six hours. Right. <laughs> Cause she knows like I can, I can talk hunting till I'm blue in the face. So yeah. I just, 
Dude, I just want to get everybody's kind of opinion, you know? I mean, knowledge is knowledge is king, you know? And it's yeah. It's like if if my if my like little situations or like history or knowledge can help somebody else out, then like right on, you know? I'm all about that. Yeah. You know, and vice versa cuz I mean, I'm new to big game hunting, so it's like whoever has more like I always say, uh, you know, I told you earlier is a mile on the ground is knowledge earned. Yeah. You know? Yep. And uh, I'm always a big fan of like listening to other guys stuff, like all, all their recommendations, whether it be on gear or just anything, habitat states, you know, and I learned a lot. I was listening to a Remy Warren podcast before Idaho. Yeah. My, my brother, he, he works in the office and I joke with him. I go, you got soft feet, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> dude, he started getting a hot spot, and I looked at him, and I go, hey, I was listening to Remy Warren podcast, and he said, he started talking about, don't use moleskin, use duct tape. My brother was like, you're crazy, dude. And I go, would you give it a shot? What's the worst that can happen, you know? Dude. And he did, and the whole entire trip, he wore duct tape. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, swears, swears by it. He's like, that was amazing. I go, that was good, huh? I was like, you need to get harder feet now, because you're running out of duct tape. dude that's me now dude like so yeah for the listeners dude you and i are both electricians uh i i was in the field forever but like for the past maybe three years four maybe almost four years i've been in the office dude and that it's dude it's bad dude like once you once you stop working on your feet dude you turn into just a lot of shit you know like (laughs) Mm -hmm. excuse my language but sometimes it's just I don't know, man. Like it, you just get soft, dude. It's true, man. Like I now more than ever, I need to like work. I need to like get back to working out and like getting on my feet. Like, like I actually enjoy working. Out. I, I stand up all day, even though I'm working at a computer. I like, I can't, I can't just sit down, dude. It sucks. It's horrible for your body. Yep. Do you have an adjustable table? Yeah. I work. I have an adjustable yeah. desk. And then lately, since I've been working at home since COVID, I mean, it's kind of on and off right now, but at home I just have a tall dresser, dude. And I just put my laptop on there with a couple screens and I just stand there all day long. Yeah. Sometimes I wear my Crocs. <laughs> with socks <laughs> or no? <laughs> Are you a Crocs with socks uh, guy? Are you a two-wheel drive or a four-wheel drive Four-wheel Crocs drive, guy? dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, well, like, back to the talk and hunting thing and how you could just talk for hours. Like, you and I hadn't even ever talked before besides – I mean, we've, te- we've like, messaged back and forth. But, like, yeah, today, like, we just started talking and, like, dude, we could t- – it's, it's weird how, like, hunting just brings people together. You could talk to people that are, have the same interests as you as far as hunting goes for forever, dude. Like, it's like an instant, like, friendship yeah, it's like a bond, dude. And a disclaimer to the listeners is I have no idea who this guy is, but he's hella cool. So <laughs> just going to put that out there. Likewise, bro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, I, I was at work one day and there was this guy walked by and he's staring at me and I'm wearing like, I got a QU neck gator, you know, because I don't want to really wear a full grade respirator and face mask like some people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I got my QU neck gator on and this guy walks by, he's got a brand new QU hat and I look and I go, Hey man, I like the hat. And he looks at me, he goes, is that Verdi? And I go, yeah, it is. And he goes, Oh, you hunt? I go, yeah, you too. 
Dude, we talked bow hunting. That guy just went to, I think it was Michigan or something like that for his like family's property for like 10 days. And I talked about my Idaho elk hunt. And it was just like in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Dude. It, yeah. It's funny. Especially in Frisco. You don't run into too many of those there. Oh God. No. <laughs> uh, dude. So, so what, what do you say? Let's, uh, let's see. I got dream hunt written down here. So what would be your dream hunt? If any species, any location, kind of like a, a pipe dream hunt, you know? Um, Probably something in, in New Zealand, dude. Like, uh, or I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, are you talking big game or, or waterfowl? Dude, anything, man. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, let's, okay, let's, that was a really broad question. Let's break this up into sections then. What would be your dream big game hunt? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know, man. I've been, I've really been wanting to do an axis deer bow hunt in, in Hawaii. Um, but I also really want to go to New Zealand and I don't even honestly know that I care what species it is. I just want to go to New Zealand and hunt. <laughs> dude, d- fuck. We are all, we are on the same page there. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I was talking to my wife and, and we're like trying to figure out when to go to Hawaii, you know, and she's like, oh, you could go hunt Hawaii. And I was like, well, they do have like just axis deer, like rats down there. So yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, dude. I I want to do that for sure. I know it's tough. I mean, anything bow hunting is tough and I've heard the axis deer just switched on like crazy and they're super hard to get within range of, but, but it, I, I'm down. I, want, I, I definitely want to do that at some point. What about a, what about waterfowl? You have any dream species hunt for waterfowl? Oh, as far as like specific waterfowl species? Yeah. I don't know, dude. Not really. I, I honestly like, uh, I don't know, like Harlequin maybe or something, but like, I like, uh, I don't know for me, it's for waterfowl hunting. I think it's more, well, I guess for both, it's more like just the experience, like the actual duck doesn't necessarily matter, I don't think. But, um... Like, I mean, would it be, like, a really nice flooded corn hunt? Would it be a sea duck hunt? I, I Honestly, I really like hunting out of boats, dude. I think it would be fun to go to, go to Arkansas, like, like Stuttgart or something, and go to the flooded timber or something like that. But I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of those snakes that they... <laughs> that they have down there dude those freaking water fucking rattlesnakes or whatever they got swimming everywhere i'm good with yeah. that like they're yeah, cotton heads or whatever off. yeah yep so <laughs> um what's uh i can't think of i'm drawing a, i'm drawing a blank on what the dude's name is uh super well-known waterfowl hunter that's got property uh he's oh my god i can't believe him he has property in canada and in like I can't remember, dude. Is he run a guy? Is that, uh, what is that? Is that Claudio Angaro? His big guide service up there. Oh my God. I can't believe him. It's so funny, dude, because like when I first started getting into waterfowl hunting, I used to watch these shows and stuff all the time, dude. Like I was on it. And like now, 
now I've the last few years I've just been like just struggling so much with big game hunting that my focus has just been like like blurred. It's all skewed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can't think of the guy's freaking name, dude. It's driving me nuts now. Like like Chad Belding is friends with him and like Fred Zink and all those guys are like friends with this guy, but he's like he he yeah, it's a guide company. It's a he has his own property that he like I don't know, I can't think of his name. It's like now. a massive duck factory. Well, it's like, I mean it's like he he farms it and he like he just he just it's basically a farm and he just he just uh whatever. Um gets it gets gets the habitat ready for whatever for the season and uh oh, Tony Vanderborn. Yeah, Tony yeah, exactly. Habitat flats. Yeah. Yep. Like go, yep. just going to something like that, dude, and just hanging out with those guys and having dinner and drinks and just going on some hunts during the day and just killing it and just hanging out with legends like that. It'd be fun. Some good, that's... like good dogs, like well-trained dogs, dude. Well-trained dogs to me, honestly, like that is what like that, that, that is like the pinnacle to me is like hunting with the good dogs. It, it, even if, even if the hunt's bad, like hunting with a well-trained dog is awesome. Yeah. But I, I really like hunting out of boats. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I only, dude, I got, was that two two years ago? I got drawn for Thule Lake. I had a guy who was like, yeah, I'll put in for Thule Lake, do this. So I did. I put in for Thule Lake Marsh, not knowing that, oh, yeah, you need a boat. Yeah, and yeah. And then uh, got drawn, you know, and told my other two buddies, I go, hey, you guys should put in for this, you know, and didn't learn, like, didn't know their party system, whatever. They didn't want to put in. So ended up, they got, they got drawn for Lower Klamath that year. I got drawn for Thule Lake. And I was, like, super stoked on that. And then found out I needed a boat. And I was like, well, I'm SOL right now. I went on Craigslist, found a $900 boat with a mud motor. <laughs> that ran went up, bought it, like, the next day, came back, borrowed a buddy's trailer, and took it up there. Really? <laughs> yep, swear to God. Oh, dude. How'd you guys do? It was, dude, I, like, when it comes to duck hunting, it's like, I mean, if you if you look on my Instagram, you're not going to see just, like, limits, 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 limits. Like, I'm, I'm picky, but I'm not, dude. Like, how we were talking earlier is, like, I have no problem shooting seven Drake Spoonies any day. Yeah, yeah. Know? But for some reason, dude, is teal. I'm not a fan of shooting teal. Like, they're fun to shoot, but it's like, oh, wow. Like, I wasted one bird for my limit for, you know, a third of a bird. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So it's like, dude, I'll hold out all day and just pass on teal and stuff and be like, I know those mallards are going to fly. And then they never do. So. Yeah. Kind of got to take what you can get, I guess, out here. But, That's... yeah, it was it. It was cool, dude. Like, I could have shot on the first day, like, seven cinnamon teal, like that. But I was like, no, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait for some mallards. Yeah. Got a couple mallards, got a couple cracks on some specks, and then that was it. But then my buddies who put in after I I did, they ended up get, going to lower Klamath and just banging them up. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but that I guess uh, that, was a, that was a really hard water year for that refuge. So, I mean, it was like, dude, trying to go and scout, like, any little bit of water, you pull up, and there's six trucks behind you, and everybody's standing in the bed with binos, and you're just kind of like, all right, at this point, let's just put our names in a hat and have fucking warden draw it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 
and I, I hate, like, I'm a big fan, and I think, I think a lot more, like, duck hunters here in California should kind of, kind of adopt this mentality, is, I've had so many run-ins at the refuge where it's like, hey, like, this is our spot and whatnot, it's like, dude, if, if you want to kill birds, I want to kill birds, let's get together, let's both kill birds together. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm and, like, I, I've done that, dude, like, walked a whole refuge and finally went back to this one spot. Or uh, I ended up on this one on this one tule patch I shot on a Wednesday, which I mean I ripped up a couple like five gaddies and two specks, and a bull sprig that day on a Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, I walk back in and I go, I bet you this side's all blown out. So I came back in and I look and there's you know, people can use spinners, so you know where everybody is because everybody has a spinner. So yeah, you go to the guy. A guy who's sitting in the same tooly patch I was, and I was like, finally just burned out. And I go, "Hey man, is it just you out there?" And he's like, "Yeah." I go, "F it, can I come hunt with you?" And he goes, "Big pause, you know, like, yeah, screw it, let's do it." I go, "All right, cool." So I come in, I go, "Hey man, if you want to throw my decoys out, throw my other spinners out, like, if you want to just take all of my stuff and make it work for you, I was like, go for it, you know." And he only had one more bird for his limit, and I mean that's like that kind of stuff is I think what more hunters need to adopt, especially at the wildlife refuge, man, because you can walk that whole entire refuge in a day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're already, if it's like coming up on, you know, daylight or you're running, you're running late or whatever, and you're trying to get out there, get set up and like, yeah, if you're close to somebody, dude, like, you know, you could, if you, if you stay separated, it's going to be frustrating and you're going to be too close and like, you know, you're going to be battling against each other. Yeah. It's, you're probably just better off. Just like you said, like just join up with them or whatever. And even if, even if they, I don't know, the frustrating thing, dude, is if they have a really shitty dog or they're really bad at knowing when to call and they're really bad at calling or something, dude, it's, it's so yeah. frustrating, but like, but you, but if you think about it, like if you're, if you're not with them and you're really close to them, they're going to be screwing up your hunt anyway. So you might as well get in there and try to, you know, you might make a, you might make a hunting buddy out of it, or, or whatever. They might be they might be legit, so it's probably worth just hunting with them. Dude, I still I still text that guy to this day, and that was three years ago or something like that. Nice. And like we've never hunted together since then, but you know, like those small little things, like that. You know, I mean. Yeah. I I don't know. It's frustrating to me when it's like I've been at the refuge, dude, and my buddy and I last year. We're at a we're at a little refuge in the valley, and this kid this kid came up out of nowhere. We got in in the morning lotto, you know, went in. We shot. I think it was we were at the eleven or twelve birds. Some some gaddy, widgeon, sprig, mallard, um, and some teal. And this guy came up out of nowhere, and all I heard was like the classic little like decoy like bloosh, you know, when it hits the water. <laughs> yeah. And I, I look at my buddy and I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, and I come out of this little patch we've been sitting in all morning and this kid starts yelling at us like, hey, I saw you guys creep in. And I'm just like, all right, I'm not in the mood for this right now, man. Yeah. And he just was like, I saw you guys. I saw you guys. I go, yeah. I go, yeah. No, we've been here all morning, bud. You know, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I go, well, I, I go, what are, you, what are you doing? You know, he had no idea we were there and then tried putting the blame on us. And I was like, come on, check out these birds. And then he came, saw a pile of dead birds and was like, oh, my bad. 
And I go, don't be so hot headed, man. Just come on in, you know, be peaceful. Like, yeah, we can work this out. Like you want to hunt ducks. You got a dog. Is your dog good? Okay. You know, jump in the tulip patch next to me. Make sure your dog's, you know, not going to break. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think every hunter out here needs to kind of come together and just like understand we're all in this together and it's doesn't always have to be a freaking competition. Yeah. Well, dude, like, yeah, like last, like this, this, this past season, there was this dude at, uh, where was I? I think I was at, was I at Howard? I can't remember if I was at Howard or LDC, but I think I was at Howard. Yeah, I was at Howard. And uh, this dude, he just walks up and he's like, hey, hey, do you want to, do you want to hunt? Or he's like, what number do you got? And I, I had like a, a lot of number. I don't know what it was. And he, and he's like, He's like, well, do you want to do you want to hunt with me? I got reservation number one. I was like, uh, yes, <laughs> like, like, yeah, dude. So I just freaking, yeah, I just joined up with him and his dog, and we had a pretty good hunt, dude. I got to, I, I learned a new hole and learned like the, the mallards were working it, like, like a lot of mallards were working it pretty good. We were, we were a little off. We didn't limit out or anything, but we were kind of off the, off the X or whatever in that area, but. Um, but we kind of learned it a little bit. It was, it was cool. That's that's awesome, dude. Cause like, I mean, I like me, my brother, and my other two buddies is like we all put in for reservations, you know. And it's like whoever gets drawn, kind of like, hey, like this guy brought brought me on a reservation, so I technically owe him a hunt. So he's on the card, and then this guy's never been before. So hey, come on, you know, like we divvy it up all together. So yeah. That, I've never had that instance where you're pretty much like at the check station. A guy's like, "Hey, what are you doing? Want to go hunt?" Yeah, <laughs> like, dude, it was a trip. I was like, "Really?" He's like, "He's like, yeah, I got number one. None of my buddies wanted to come." And I'm like, "Uh," and, and they were like about to call reservations, and I was like, "Uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> let's do it." Yeah, that's killer. Yeah, it was cool, man. But so, so you said you've never ran a JJ Lairs. No, man, I don't know. You messaged me that. and Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I like just, I bought a new call last season, uh, bought a zinc, nothing but green, like the M- MBG or whatever, nothing but green. It's like a, like the tone board on it is like, a cha- there's, it's like a notch channel, so it doesn't stick, like the, your, your saliva doesn't stick on the reeds and stuff, so. Yeah, like, it's got spit grooves on it. Yeah, dude, and it, and I, I actually love it. I mean, it was an expensive call. I think, I don't remember what it cost i think it was like 120 it's close to like a layers call like as far as cost wise and quality wise but um and i love it dude i don't have a reason to get rid of it yet but i I do kind of want to have two calls on my on my lanyard so i might get another one and yeah layers has always like been on my list i just i've just never for whatever reason broken down and got one i got an extra one what yeah, I actually do. It's a small bore T1, though. I don't even know. What's the... Uh... Okay, so... <laughs> so, um, that that link I posted on, on my Instagram and my story, that was from uh, Upper Duck, and they sell some of the most badass J.J. Lairs calls I've ever seen on the market. Uh-huh. Um, and I sent you the picture of that one, uh, the guy who owns J.J. Lairs, Brett Crow, made me. Yeah. And, uh... It's essentially that. I'll send you more pictures later. I'll show you the difference on the insert size, like on the exhaust of it. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to borrow that, dude, go ahead. Like, we could meet up in the valley, grab some beers, hunt together, and I'll let you check that out for a bit. 
it sits on my shelf so it's like just sitting there collecting dust i i occasionally just grab it do a couple little feed chuckles and that's it (laughs) right on yeah yeah i know sometimes you just do you do you carry two uh mallard hen calls on your lanyard or just one yeah um it's funny because i'm in my spare bedroom which is like my hunting closet now yeah calls are right right next to me so i have a Running a JJ Lair's T1, that big bore with a 1315 uh, reed. And then um, that's just like a short square square reed, no dog ears on it. And then um, I have a basin from, a, I think his name's Dave, Dave Basin, um, half pint. That's a nice one too. Is that like uh, a, was that like Sutter Basin's calls or something? Or? No, so Sutter Basin is a Gene Carter, super cool dude, super cool dude. I love Gene. He's a really nice guy. And, uh, he uh, he came out with the uh, what was that the one five yeah, he came out with um, his new call a couple years ago called the one five, and I messaged him, I think on Instagram and that's dude, social media is a blessing and it's a curse at the same time. Yeah yeah. <laughs> so, I messaged him. He was like, hey yeah you know like, now I told him I wanted to buy two for my buddies for Christmas presents. And he's like, yeah, sure, dude, like, come on by, you know, are you going to be in the valley this weekend? I go, I'm actually headed up right now. And he goes, swing by my house at like eight o'clock or something at night here, you know, and he sat there and he hand tuned him and everything. And I like those calls. I just like, for me, like every call is, every call is different. Like what works for me won't work for somebody else and vice versa. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like a perfect example is like, he tapered out the exhaust with a hand taper um, a little bit more in one than the other. And, I mean, that just changes the call ex- like exponentially. You would never realize that. Such a minute little call. It's a really great call. I like it a lot. It's just I I got my JJ Lairs. It runs real well. I love it, you know. Yeah. No problem with it, so. Hell, yeah. But, but, yeah, Basin calls the guy. I think he's out of Oregon. I think it's Dave Basin. A little half pint, real quiet, soft call. Um, the insert and tone board's probably, like, I don't know, less than a quarter inch away from the end of the barrel. So it's really, like, guys can wail on them. I'm not a big fan of sitting there and just, like, high-balling birds either. I do most of my killing silent with a Drake whistle, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, uh, one reason I like that, zinc call i got is like i feel like i can i'm the same way i don't get too loud but like you can get somewhat loud with that thing and then you can you can get real sauce dude like when they start coming in a little bit tighter like you can just you can just like ease it and just like get real like soft and just like it's it's like a, i don't know dude to me it, it feels like magic at the moment you know you're just like sweet talking them in dude and they're like they start cupping up and dropping their feet down and you're like hell yeah dude I got him. That's that's like when I was talking to you earlier about um, my Washington hunt because I'm going back up there. It was like that perfect example. You'd hear you'd hear the hen kind of just like sound off above you in the fog. You know, hear a couple of drakes just whistling. Yeah. And you just hit him hit him with a really soft like meh, 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 real soft, real subtle. Yeah. Six six of them come out of the fog and you're like, oh wow, okay, like this, you know this is going to get real good. And then like 60 of them behind him. And it was like, Oh wow. Okay. okay, You know, and they just wanted like soft little chuckles, soft little, like welcoming hen calls. And it was just like, 
you know, okay, you're up, and I'll go shoot that greenhead. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's nothing better, dude, when it's when it's that good. So, so awesome. Dude, we did a guided hunt that same trip, too, and uh, the guide looked at us and goes, he goes, you know, a lot of guys from California come up here, and they get hunts out of here, and they just sit there, and they wail on the calls, and he goes, but you boys, you boys can fucking call. And I was like, that was like a big boost of my confidence because I was like, dude, like this guy's been guiding for 35 plus years, you know, like, yeah. And we're just talk, talk, you know, bed talk is what I say. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Like, uh, that reminds me of that dude that invited me on his resi number one. Like he's a dude that I think he actually, 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 yeah, he, he guides, uh, I think he guides big game on a ranch or something up in up above Santa Rosa somewhere. I can't remember what his name was, but, um, yeah, it was the same thing. Confidence level for me, or confidence booster for me. Cause like, you know, typically I'm hunting with my buddies and whatever, like we just call them. Nobody really says shit to each other, but like, he was like, he, he was like, uh, he's like, damn dude, you sound really good with that call, man. And I'm like, thanks bro. Like, I don't know. It just felt good to like hear somebody new, like that was experienced, like give you give my give me a compliment like that with that new call i was like okay cool because sometimes yep. sometimes you don't know what you sound like dude so like when i'm driving or or whatever if no one's home i'll just like practice with my call and record myself and then listen to it just to see because dude i've done that before and realized how shitty i sounded and then and then i since i've gotten better like i do the same thing and like you kind of you kind of get to know what you actually sound like instead of just assuming that you sound good in your head, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude, I know, because you could be like, I sound great, and then you go out there and every bird in a 500-mile radius is flaring. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've had those days, dude. It's so funny. We're, we're kind of brutal. Like, I mean, my, <clears throat> my two buddies that got me into duck hunting, they, they, uh, it was, you know, sink or swim. Yeah. And it was like... You know, duck season came around. I was like, check it out. I got this new call. And they're like, that's great. You're not going to use it till after the season. And I was like, what? You know, and they're like, just <laughs> sit, sit, sit back and sit back and learn, you know? So like, dude, driving in and out of the city every day is 40 minutes one way. And I mean, with traffic coming on home, it's probably like an hour and a half. So it's just like blasting through reads like no other. Just like, oh, I need another read. Need another read. Yeah. And it was just like, finally learn, dude. And like we get brutal to each other sometimes in blind where we're just like, Hey man, just put it down. You're done. <laughs> you know, like, dude, like just sit back and pull the trigger, bud. Dude, oh, I, I, I mean, I feel like that's how it should be, dude, to be honest with you. Cause there's times when like, I don't know, it's uncomfortable sometimes. Like if, if your buddy, I don't know, it depends on how your buddy responds, but like, it's hard to tell people sometimes like, dude, you sound like crap, bro. Like, mm-hmm. so if you have like a good enough relationship with your hunting partners that you can like be honest and say that, I, I think it's a good thing, dude. Uh, dude, I, I've seen guys grab calls and throw them into the freaking field. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, okay. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's you funny. Know, it's like, you know, like how you were talking about sighting in your rifle in the middle of the season. That's such a horrible idea. Is like you do not practice calling when you're out hunting. You practice calling for the nine months that you don't get to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, dude. It's like in the, 
you just don't go out there and I'm like, yeah, I haven't picked up these calls in nine months. Like, I'm just going to call all these birds in. Yeah. Dude, I know. (laughs) Yep. It's, it's important, man. Like I know last season, cause like a couple years prior to last season, I, like I said, my dog was health was bad and stuff. So I wasn't hunting much. And last season I had, like, I, I think I hunted, I hunted a couple times with new people last season and I hadn't called in a while, dude. And I, it's, it sucked, dude. Cause I, I wasn't, pra- I didn't practice in the off season. So I wasn't really ready. And I was like embarrassed to really start trying to call. Cause I just hadn't done it in a while. And so I just, I just used my whistle, dude. And it just, it was uncomfortable. I should have been like, I should have been practicing all season and I should have been ready, but I wasn't. So, but I mean, I knew better. I knew not to just start freaking blowing on the thing like an idiot, but yep. But I mean, what's like, what, what's like, I mean, you want to talk some waterfowl tactics? We got time. We're like an a shit in an hour and 10 or something like that. We'll edit half this stuff out though. Or not half, but yeah, we got time. 15 out. Yeah, dude. So, yeah. So dude, I'm a big believer in like adjustments for everything. And like my buddies can't stand it. Cause I'm the kind of guy that's like, we have to change the spread, put the spinner out here, put the spinner on cycle, you know, pull the spinner, add a jerk cord, take the jerk cord out, put two decoys here and one there, and then turn this one. So, it fit. you know, I'm that guy like, yeah. And, and you know, whether it works or not, I don't know, but no, you know, it's just like those little subtle things. I'm just always like, Oh no, like this wobbler is not right. We need to push them out four inches to the left, you know? Yeah. No, I think it's the way to be, dude. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm as anal as that, but I do like changing things up, dude. Because if it's not working right off the bat, then then something's wrong. Like you got to change it, dude. Because they all they all kind of react the same way. I mean, if it's working, it's working, and if it's not, it's not. Right? That's how yep. I see it. Yep. And like, and like, I mean, I took that to an extreme, like moving a wobbler four inches. But I'm the same way. It's like, get down, see the first like first little flight and it's like yep i haven't pulled the trigger it's 15 minutes after shoot time like we need to adjust right now yeah yeah i'm the same way uh i might be a little lazier than you but yeah i I like to change things up but i i uh also i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on my podcast i haven't really done too many waterfowl episodes yet i've been kind of wanting to do more as the season gets gets closer and we're, we're pretty much there now, but, (laughs) um, like, so I, I have a, so like with, with my decoys, like I, I like to tie, I tie half of them off in the front of the keel and then I tie half of them off in the back of the keel. Smart. And then I just mix and they're all mixed up, you know? So like, so like when the wind blows, they're not all facing the same direction and it doesn't look like fake as hell. Right. Like it just looks real like they're all facing different directions yep and that's like one one thing like an old timer taught me that i think a lot of people don't know because some some decoys don't come with a hole in the back so like i'll drill if they don't i'll just drill a hole in the back of the keel and tie my weight on in the back on half of them yep that's smart because like the same thing could be said like when guys set up jerk cords you know is like they'll put like rested, like resting decoys on a jerk cord, you know, or like preening birds on a jerk cord. And it's like, you should probably put feeders or active swimmers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm the same way, though, is you have to make it as realistic as possible because when you go out and you see the birds roosted up, right, or they're preening, you know, they're not really moving. So, yeah. And it's like the same thing you said is you might see that one occurrence where, like, there's a six pack of puddle ducks and they're all going the same way, you know? Yeah. But it's highly unlikely that, like, you're going to go out to a rice blind and the wind's going to be blowing from the south and every decoy is going to be moving you know, the same freaking direction. Yeah. And if they are, if they are all faced the same direction, then it looks like they're nervous about something behind them and they're all swimming away. So it doesn't look yeah. like a comfortable situation for ducks to want to land in there. So like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I look at it. That's the kind of how I was taught, but, um, and then I don't know, like I need to add more motion to my spread. I just, I have like a, mojo i have an old school mojo dude with metal wings and shit like it's pretty i mean it's probably freaking 12 years old or more 13 years old i don't know yeah i have the disneyland of motion ducks it's ridiculous do you yeah i need to oh yeah i have so many goddamn mojos that it's a pain in the ass to charge all the batteries yeah see like i have i only have one dude and i have a jerk and then i have a jerk cord uh and I have some wind whackers, but like, and then like, you know, but usually you're with a buddy and then he has like a mojo and some, and some other things too, or whatever. And it, it ends up working out. But if you go solo, like, I don't know, I need to upgrade my, my setup a little bit. Hey man, if it works right. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Yeah. But so I'm the same way though, man. I just small small minute adjustments but like you said earlier was like i'm a gear guy so it's like mojo came out with their like king mallard and i was like i need one yeah <laughs> went, <laughs> went and got one and i was like i love that thing actually it's really nice battery lasts a long time the battery the battery tray is super convenient too so yeah and then um the spoonzilla too if you've seen those yeah i've seen it i have with the big old eyes mm-hmm. or the bear the teeth or whatever sticking out yep yeah yep. yeah Dude, I have I have one of those. My buddy got me for Christmas. I love that thing. Yeah, yeah. I need to get a. What do you What do you use before mojos are legal? Like during non motorized wing spinning season or whatever. Uh, wind ducks. But here's what's here's what's funny, and I'll give a little insight to some guys on this. Is that in the regs, and I've asked wardens this many times, and. In the regs, it says if the wings rotate, you know, through any manpower, so it's not only electric, right? Uh Uh-huh. So they actually make decoys that are kind of like a jerk cord, and you pull on it with a jerk cord, and the wings spin, and you let go, and the wings spin. Like, those are illegal here in the state of California before uh, November, December 1st? Yeah. I think it's December 1st. Yeah, I think so. But... If, if you get like a butt kicker, like a water splasher, it's a hundred percent legal. Yeah. Or like the little, yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's what, and that's what I need to start looking at is like more stuff like that, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what's, what's really inexpensive and, uh, I think it's a pretty good deal. And I've, I've seen other, other guys use them. I don't, I don't have them yet, but they're like those little pucks. It's like a little brown puck and it has like just a little wing on top that spins and they have i can't think of what they're called but i, th- I think it's considered a motorized spinning wing but it is they're like they're a flock of flickers 
Yeah, yeah. Those things are cheap, dude. And they're, dude, I think they I, come in packs of like four or six or something. Yeah, I know a guy that actually he'll take like um, he's a big fan of like Higden. Higden uh, makes oh, apparently super quality uh, foam filled decoys, and what he'll actually do is he'll drill with a hole saw in the back of it, the perfect diameter to fit one of those flock of flickers in. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and when December first comes around, it's just like it's a party of just like birds with flock of flickers in their backs. It's pretty cool to see. Oh, okay, interesting. So he just like drills a hole a little bit, just kind of shallow in the back of it and sets that thing on top of it? No, like it sits inside because the whole decoy is foam, Yeah. right? So he'll like take a hole saw, like let's say like a, th- a three-inch hole saw, and he'll hole saw that out and then just chip away all the foam in there. So the, the flock of flicker actually sits down in the decoy. Okay. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. It, like small little things like that that it's like you seriously do that and then you see it work and you're like oh wow like this is a whole another level i've never even thought about yeah man yeah because a lot of days <laughs> probably more days you know i think most days are not windy it seems like and you just need something man like sometimes like I, I don't know i get on days like that i get sick and tired of pulling the jerk cord but i know the jerk cords work and they th- i think they always will but uh, and I'll always have one, but it's like, I need more than that. Dude, I, I am a big believer in jerk cords. A hundred percent. I, you need to stir that water up and get it kind of like chocolate milk. Yeah. You know? And it's like, if you can add those ripples like real hard in the water to actually, you know, give some more action to the remaining decoys you have that aren't, you know, on a jerk cord, they're just simple floaters. Yeah. Like I, I think jerk cords are the way to go, 100%. I think that it just adds that little finishing touch, dude, because it's like a spinner, right? I mean, when December 1st happens, like we were talking earlier, is you can walk out into the refuge or into the marsh and be like, oh, there's a group over there, a group over there, a group over there, a group over there, you know? And by the time the birds get down here, they've practically seen it all. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that's why it's like, yeah, you can – I'm a big believer, too, in running spinners with uh, remotes, like the King Mallard I have. Yeah. And, uh, like, every other mojo I have, besides the Spoonzilla, like, all have a remote to cycle them or turn them on and off. And then once you kind of get their attention, turn that thing off and just work that jerk cord. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's just, like, that finishing little, like, cherry on top. And it's like, oh, okay, we got them in, you know? Yeah. Hell, yeah. Hey, have you seen those, uh, what are they called? Do you, do you follow that guy named Kirk McCullough? No. Um, or it looks like his page says cut down, but it's like a, uh, yeah, his name is Kirk and then McCullough, but he's on Instagram, but like, he, it looks like he's, in, I don't know if he's invented this thing already. It looks like it, it looks like he's selling them, but it's like, it's basically looks like a jerk cord, but these, these ducks, like the decoys, like it's called a chaser shaker. Hmm. a mallard chaser shaker and these in the mallard like the the decoys like dude they like kind of uh really intensely like chase each other back and forth dude and it looks it kind of looks it's a little extreme but it puts a ton of it puts a ton of motion and a ton of waves and ripples in the water and like it looks like the ducks are kind of like fighting each other off like it almost looks like kind of like a late season thing like where two mallard drakes would be like fighting over the hens or something 
do you know a do you know motion ducks? Yeah, yeah. Those those like it's it's like a jerk cord, but I mean imagine like a hockey puck in the center and then it's got four little bars that stick off and you can clamp them together to make like ultra super tuggers pretty much. Yep. I I run that year long. Oh, I do love you? those. I, oh yeah. And and it's nice too because you can pretty much wrap all your stuff around and then just carry it out. It's like carrying four decoys on a pole on your back, so you don't have to worry about carrying like an extra decoy bag or something. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at I it always, right now. I, I always lose those though, left and right. I leave them at the club, and then it's like somebody else takes them, and then I'll never see it again. So, <laughs> what the the motion duck thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah. Just, you just forget them or something? No, it's like uh, you know. My buddy, my buddies and I, you know, we bring people up there and it's like, they'll come up and use it and somebody will leave it out and, you know, they'll yeah. leave it out in the refuge and then you're like, hey, where's my motion ducks thing? And they're like, what do you mean? And you're like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, you, you use it last. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I don't remember. And then it's like this ongoing look, you know, like ongoing search for this thing. And I'm like, screw it. Good thing I have another one in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, I actually, I've been looking at those too. I need to, yeah, I need to, uh, man, the season's freaking here already, isn't it? Opens up this Saturday. It's crazy. For a balance of the state, at least. I know in the Northeast zone, they've already been shooting them. Yeah. I know, dude, it's always such a freaking, it's, it, I don't know, I, I, I always want to go, but I'm always like stuck on deer still. It's like I can't. For a while, for for a while there with the fires, I thought like I thought deer season was over. So I was I was already like my mindset was already switching over. But then all of a sudden the fire, the closures and stuff kind of let off, and I was like, oh, okay, deer season's still here. I need to refocus. <laughs> yep. But I don't know. Need to get back on the. Uh, I got one season left to deer, and then I'll be after the ducks here. I got a new shotgun. I'm excited, dude. I got the, I don't, I mean, the Browning Maxis has been around for a while, obviously, but like, it's new to me. I just bought it. I haven't even shot it yet, to be honest. And that's pretty, pretty unlike me. I should probably go shoot it and pattern it before I go. <laughs> dude, <laughs> but, I, I have a brand new 300 Win Mag that I've never fired around in and I've owned it for a couple of years now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty sad, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. I mean, I need to. I want to at least practice with it a little bit. I mean, it feels good. It feels natural in my hand. That's why I bought it. I've, for the past few years, I've been holding that thing in the shop and just feeling it. It feels good to me in my hand. And, like, I like the way those things reload. A lot of people don't realize, like, those Browning Maxis is, like, if if the action is open and you, re, you can reload, if you reload through the bottom, like the first shell, it'll – it automatically closes the action and, and pulls the shell up into the end of the action and, and loads it. Really? So like you can load all three shells from the bottom and it, and it automatically loads that first one into the chamber. Hmm. So it's, a, it's crazy. Just, it's just a little bit quicker, but I mean, it's so minimal. It's not a big deal, but <laughs> it's kind of cool. Dude, that that's how I, I mean, it's, I got a question. Did you go into the store and you're like, I like this thing, and then came in the store again, like, I really like this thing, and just kept doing that and doing that, and then finally you just pulled the trigger on it and was like, yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a year or two since I've looked at them, but for a couple of years ago, I was looking at them, and I wanted them, and then I just, dude, to be honest with you, it's pretty 
so I already knew I liked them, but I went in whatever a month or two ago and I went into sportsman's and here in town or whatever. And I was like, I was like, yeah, let me see that. And they, and, and they were like, well, you can look at it, but you can't touch it because th those are our COVID rules. You can't touch any of the gun, any of the guns. And I'm like, I'm like, really? I can't touch it. Like, how am I supposed to know that I want to buy it if I can't like put it up on my shoulder and look down the, <laughs> and look down <laughs> and see if it feels good, dude? Like, what are you talking about? I can't, I can't touch it. Like, then I can't buy it then if I can't touch it, dude. Like, what do you? I don't know. But yeah. I, I was kind of irritated, but at the same time, I already knew I liked it, so I just. I ended up, I just bought it. Hell yeah. So. That's how I was with my A400. <clears throat> I shoot a, a Beretta A400 Extreme. And uh, it, it was like, dude, I just like go into the store and be like, oh, okay, like I really like this gun, you know, shoulder it a couple times, come back a month later, do the same thing. And finally I was like, if I come back here again and it's still there, I'm just going to do it, you know? And the guy was like, yeah, kind of laughed. And then I came back. It was the same dude. I go, I'm here to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I like that thing. Well, I'm sold on it. Let's do it. And he was like, All right, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, they're pricey, but I mean, it's I don't know, it's it's worth it. I think for dude for for uh, since I started duck hunting, I've shot a pump the whole time, dude. A, a, a Mossberg eight thirty five. Okay, which is it's it's like a three hundred and fifty dollar gun, dude. And I just. Dude, you know how it is. Like they get, they get so they get wet, they get salty in the bay. They get, they get. I mean, I clean it, but they get beat up, dude. And like, the finish on it is so worn out, and it just, <laughs> it look you you would laugh like looking at it, dude. It's so it's so worn out, but it's been so reliable, and like apparently, like those are pretty much like kind of looked at kind of like the Remington 870 just like super reliable and they work forever and stuff like that and and it has but I finally was like dude this is I need to step it up man this is kind of kind of silly <laughs> dude I uh I for when I got into duck hunting like I still have it my Benelli Nova pump yeah and dude that thing's a tank yeah it's <laughs> tried and true old reliable hell yeah one hunt I dropped my Beretta in the water was like I don't know like the third hunt ever I dropped it in the water and I was like oh crap dude and it actually ended up jamming on me because it wasn't like during the breaking period you know yeah and uh I was like shit dude I was like I'll be right back and I ran all the way to my truck and I was like I think I have some gun oil in here and I was like I don't have any gun oil like what do I got and I look and I go well I got you know Chevron or whatever uh 1540 weight you know for my truck <laughs> i was like screw it my buddy's standing there like you're seriously gonna lube your gun with engine oil and i go oh hell yeah i am and i i took it all apart dude i lubed it up i was like we're good to go you know and we ran back out and he was like you're you're effing crazy dude and the thing shot great so <laughs> hey oil's oil man <laughs> hey man it worked it worked oh that's funny desperate times call for desperate measures got to do what you got to do man i wasn't gonna try and one shot i was like screw this like birds are flying i'll be back yeah <laughs> so. hell yeah what does your does your uh i think i think they all do but your gun probably came with like some stock choke tubes right yeah but i uh what's funny dude is like i i put a new choke in my benelli a couple years ago and it rusted and it seized in there so that's not coming out oh damn 
Yeah, and then um, when I bought my Beretta, I actually ordered a choke previously because my buddy had it. My buddy has the same setup as I do, just a little bit older Beretta. I mean, still shoots amazingly, and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to get the same gun Mason has. And uh, I have not shot a single round out of one of those chokes. It's all just been my, uh, I think it's extended. It's uh, modified at 50, but like everybody, eh, dude, all, I don't like shooting birds at 30 yards. I'm like, it's. You don't like shooting them at 30? No, dude, I like them feet down. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. like them. I like them in my face at five, 10 yards. Oh yeah. You know? dude. Like dude. 30 yards, 30 yards. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like 20, 20. I could do it, you know, 25 for sure. But like yeah. 25 and in is my, that's where I want them. And it's like, I'll pass on birds left and right. We'll sit there and we'll like, my buddy brought his range finder out and was like, how far do you think this bird is? And I go, I don't, I don't know, man, it's 60 yards, 70 yards. He's like 40 yards. I go, you're kidding me. And he goes, <laughs> no. And I go, dude, we should be killing a lot more birds then, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, just, it's just a more, uh, to me, it's more ethical, dude. I like, I like working birds the most. That's, that's my biggest thing. I love breaking them down. I love seeing them just cupped up, just maple leaf parachuting in. Same here, it's like, dude. It's like, oh, it's going to get Western real fast, boys. Like, get ready. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of like pass shooting and like, I don't know. I mean, unless it's like super slow, dude. I mean, but yeah, like dude, when they, when, I don't know, is there something about like uh, being able to trick them in like that close when they're just coming directly in? I don't know. It's, it's awesome, dude. That's been, that's been actually last season I had, I think I talked about it already on my podcast, but I had a one day, one day, uh, my first day out in like a couple of years, like I said, I had a slow couple of years there cause my dog and I just didn't feel like going or whatever. And I was stuck on big game for a couple of years, but last season, my first day out, I went with a new, a new buddy that I met during archery season, but we went duck hunting and, and to the, it was, it was about the best day of my season. One of the best days of my season last year. And, uh, yeah, the whole day, dude, bird or the whole morning, like birds were just coming in super tight, dude. Like I kept missing everything, but he he shot a banded mallard. I missed it. He shot it. <laughs> but like I don't know, it's just when the when the birds work like that, there's nothing better. Dude, speaking of bands, before my buddy moved up to Washington, we were hunting our rice blinds. Yeah. And- I was on this whole kick, dude. I would be sitting in my blind watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, binge watching like no other. Because it'd be like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, nothing's flying. Like, let's see, you know, let's let's give it some time. Let's just sit out here all day. And I heard my buddies calling. I got it on video. My buddy shot a banded speck. He was 60 yards down my check parallel with me in like a 25 mile an hour north wind. Just sitting there levitating over my check. And I was like, huh. Uh, yeah, well... They're already calling him, you know, and then I pulled out my phone, I videotaped it, and I called him, I go, hey, I got that on video, and they're like, let me call you back, we gotta help the dog out. Call me back, go, it's banded. <laughs> oh, man, of course. <laughs> so, that was pretty funny, dude. Banded specs are, are like a very, I've I rarely ever seen them, you know, but I've seen them at the uh, Sacramento SAC uh, Clothes Zone, is it the SAC Clothes Zone? Like, or Calusa Clothes Zone. Oh, yeah. 
dude. And I have two pictures through my binos of them, just two banded spec hanging out, hanging out with each other. I'm like, dude, I wonder where these guys are from. Like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of, well, kind of all over that area. Just the snows and the specs are freaking everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That closed zone in Calusa. Like if you can get close to that, close to that closed zone at Calusa, dude, and time it right. It's pretty money. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you, are do you, you have a spec call? You, you call, you call geese too? Yeah. Um, but like my, dude, it honestly takes me like a couple hunts to get back into spec calling. Yeah. I don't, so. I don't even, I don't even know how to do it, dude. <laughs> it's, dude, I just never have gotten into it. I, I want to, I'm, I'm starting to like get the interest in it. I just, I love ducks, dude. I love the way ducks work. I love duck hunting. I love calling them. I just, I think it's just the way they work and stuff. It just attracts me more to it. But like, I, I, I miss out on a lot of opportunities, not knowing how to, to call specs in though. And I need to figure it out. Dude, it is. Specs can be very awesome, but very frustrating at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times like me and my buddies have worked like a small little group of specs and it's just been like, to me, they're like sprig. Like if you can work a sprig, like a sprig will just do 30 passes around your spread and be like, no, nah, that one hen decoy is really light colored. You guys should probably touch that up with some paint. <laughs> See ya. And like, I feel like specs are the same way, dude. They'll just pick you apart. And yeah. It's like, but when, when they do it right, that's awesome. Like it, it's, it's something cool. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why I haven't gotten addicted to it yet. I haven't really – I mean, I've, I've seen them finish. I've seen guys, like, call them in and kill them, and it, like, but not, like, not a lot. And, like, it's it's weird how they just – they take forever, man. It's like they just glide back and forth, dude, and they just fucking – they just take for <laughs> take forever to come in. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I have the patience for this, man. Like, I want a duck to come in and, like, commit or not, like – Let's move on. Just do a like, I got suicide, s- suicide bombing run in your, into your spread. Yeah. I just like, know? I got shit to do, man. <laughs> yeah. Specs are, specs are super temperamental, dude. It's a, uh, <clears throat> I've botched like one little like cluck and they're just like, yep, nope. And just fly away. And it's like, damn dude, you know? So, yeah, it is cool though. Like I've had, I, I mean, I have hunted with buddies that are really good with the spec call and they'll just, just on their own, they'll just work their ass off and call them in. And it, it <laughs> they're so out of breath by the time they actually come down, but they'll get it done, dude. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool dude, to see. Yeah, I will say that, like, I have never called an animal and broken a sweat unless it's a speck. <laughs> like, <laughs> Seriously. And, and even then, it's worse when you do that. And then they're just like, no, I don't want to be here and fly away. And you're like, oh, I should just. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> dude i had a buddy i had a buddy work i think he i think it was just one spec he was just working it dude for man it seemed like 15 minutes straight dude just blowing and blowing just all by himself just working this bird in and we were just sitting there waiting 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 and he just was calling it calling it, and it just kept getting closer and dude it finally got like to shooting range and a spoonie flew by and one of our buddies just shot up and shot the spoonie and then scared this back away, dude. I was like, are you serious, dude? Did you I would be I would be that guy. I was like, did you just do that, dude? Seriously? Oh man. It was so funny. 
Mm-hmm. I would definitely be like, oh, look at this beautiful Drake Spoonie. Boom. <laughs> and my buddies just look at me and be like, you can leave now. Oh, my God, dude. That's just, that's what it was. Like, the look on that guy's face that was calling the spec was just like, dude, seriously? Like, I just worked my ass off for this thing, dude. Dude, you just shot a Spoonie? Did you, just, you just shot at it. You didn't even hit it. Dude, I got a good spec story. My buddy got drawn for number one at a LDC. And uh, he's like, hey, let's go. Like, this number one, this is going to be a lights out shootout, you know? Hell yeah. We're like, all right, so we carry out, I don't know how many decoys, dude. Like, five dozen, six dozen decoys, you know? A bunch of specs, you know? A bunch of spec wobblers. Set them up. This one big tar belly spec just comes cruising right in. No no hard calling needed at all. Just a couple little clucks and that thing was committed fully. And it's my it's my buddy Mason's resi. And he goes, we're like sitting there and we're like, okay, get ready. I jump up and I cut that thing cold heartedly right over his wobblers. And the look on his face was like, dude, yeah, I bring you out on this resi and you kill the first bird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry, man. Like, I owe you so much. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Everybody was like, what were you thinking? And I go, I don't know, dude. It was just killer killer instinct took over, man. It was game time, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'll never live that one down. Oh, it's funny. And then it's funny how there's some hunts like that where you're like, yeah, I definitely owe you one, dude. Like, next one's mm-hmm. yours. <laughs> That, that was with that last year, that, that band in Mallard I told you about. Like, we still, me and that dude, we still go back and forth on, like, because I shot first. And I know I hit it, but it didn't, I didn't stone it. I just, like, I think I winged it or something. And and then he followed right up and, and, and uh, knocked it down. And, dude, and his dog went and got it. And, and, I, and I saw the band, and I'm like, dude, it's his bandit, bro. And he's like, shut up, dude. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you shot that thing. And I was like, no, dude, you shot it. I, I winged it, and then you were the one that sealed the deal. It's your band. And he's like, and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like 100%. I, there was no doubt in my mind. Like, it was his bird. And then, like, but, like, still, like, he'll just randomly call me or text me and be like, dude, I really feel bad, dude. I really feel like this is your band. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, just, all right. You you owe me. Let's just, let's just, let's just figure it that way. Next season, if there's a, if there's a, a debate and I'll take it, but that's your band, bro. <laughs> like there's always like a, I don't know. There's always those situations where you're like, I owe you one or you owe me one or whatever. Dude. Yeah. A uh, funny story about a band. My brother, like my brother was like, we're sitting in the blind, real foggy day, real gray day. And, uh, we're talking about bands and whatnot. And then I look up, I see this pair of mallards come in and I go, I go, Oh, okay. Look at these right here, Andrew. And he goes, call them in i go no no they want in you know these things are committed they're gonna do one big old big old pass they're gonna come right over the blind sure as shit they do that they come right over the blind to go okay andrew like you see that green head coming he goes yeah i go it's a bigger bird on on your side i go okay cut it cut that green head andrew shoot that thing and he's just like uh, just i don't know he froze or something i grabbed my gun one shot that thing my my dog was a uh, seven months old at the time. That was his first greenhead. We he went out, got it, and he was dicking around with it in the in the water. So I had to go grab it from him. And then um, my brother's like, "Did you get it?" And I go, "Yeah." You ever seen a banded bird before? <laughs> just, 
dead silence in the fog. I came back. I go, here's a banded greenhead for you, dude. You should have cut that thing. <laughs> oh, man. That hurts. Yep. <laughs> He's like, his excuse was, I was waiting for you. And I go, when I tell you to jump up and cut it, I don't mean wait for me. I go, you shoot that damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that means I'm saying shoot, and I'm waiting for you to take the first shot, bro. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it was pretty funny. Oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Bands are super interesting. I think the whole I think the whole science behind bands is really cool. And like yeah. fortunate enough, I have I have three, but they're pretty much all local birds. And uh but my buddy, dude, he's driving he's driving down down the road, looks, sees a snow goose in the canal, stops, lets his dog out, dog jumps out, grabs the bird, bam, banded in Russia. <laughs> it was alive? It was a crippled, it was a crippled oh, snow goose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hate, that's the whole reason I got a bird, dude. I mean, I got a dog was I, I, I was so sick and tired of like dude. crippling a bird and losing them in the toolies, dude. dude it's it the worst. Like, it's like, you know, when people say like, that was a bad shot on a deer or something like I could just imagine what that feels like because I know how bad it is when I see like a crippled bird or something like that. I'm like, ooh, yeah. that's not good. Yep. I'm the same way, dude. Yeah. I, yeah, it's cool, dude, having a dog that can, you know, it's not always perfect. Like, my dog wasn't professionally trained or anything, but I took a lot of pride in training her, and, and she definitely saved a lot of birds, like, a lot of birds that were lost, or that would have been lost otherwise. Like, I mean, there was times where she dove underwater, dude, and pulled birds out from underneath the water that were, like, grabbing onto tulies under the water and shit like that. Like, she was, she was a good dog, man. I miss that dog. Yeah, I, I could just imagine, dude. Like, my dog does the same thing. And, and, I mean, I trained him all myself. He was my first puppy, first lab, and first hunting dog, you know. And he turned out pretty damn good. Like, do the same thing. Dive under, grab that bird from hanging on the toolies or the smart weeds, and then just pull him on up. I'm like, huh, I never would have found that. Yeah, dude. Just, yeah. Yeah, by luck, sometimes, like, you'll you'll be walking where it was, and you'll kick it or something. You're like, oh, shit, it's under the water. I didn't even see it. But, like... Yeah, when they can just, I don't know how they smell them. Like, they just smell, I guess, the surface of the water where the duck went down or whatever, and they just dive under and grab it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's wild, dude. Yeah. Yes, sir. What was I going to I was going to say something. Do you, uh, do you work? What was I going to say? Brain fart, dude. Do you uh, where do you where do you typically hunt? Refuges or you have you're of a club too, right? Yeah, I mean we call it we call it a club. It's uh my buddy's dad's cabin, um, and then we we have rice blinds, um, throughout the valley, and then uh, we typically hunt the refuge, and like some guys look at us like we're crazy. They're like, you you have rice blinds and hunt mainly refuges. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. They're like you're crazy dude. Like seriously, you know, and I've gotten into like long conversations with guys about it. And it's like, sometimes dude, the rice is just not on until you get like a big push of migratory birds or a big storm, you know? And then yeah, hundred percent. It, it's, it's like, you can go out and especially with like California's like sprig limit, which I don't understand. Like there must be science behind it. Like not bashing it, but I kind of am. 
is like because I see him everywhere. Only, <laughs> oh, dude, we can only shoot one sprig, and it's like I I jump up and I shoot the first bull sprig that I see. Like I do, I I really try not to shoot hen sprig, you know. Yeah. Just because if there is a population problem with them or something like that, like that little bit of conservation could go a long way. Yeah. And uh. But yeah, if I can jump up and cut the first bull I see, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm stoked, you know. And it's like a small little, small little bull that probably has rice breast, and then it's like four hundred thousand sprig just land in my spread. Yeah, dude. Everybody I talked to last season was like, early, like right off the bat, dude was like, oh dude, next year for sure they're gonna up the sprig limit, dude. Like there's sprig everywhere. <laughs> and then like this year it comes out again, like uh, okay maybe not. Cause it's still, it's still one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I see him all over the place. Like I, I drive the back roads to work when I, when I, when I do go to the office in sack, there's all those, all that farmland off 99 and stuff. Yep. And, uh, dude, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Dude. Like that's the first bird I notice because there it's obvious when it's first light or whatever, I'm driving to work, it's dark. I, I can see the moonlight glistening off of them and they're freaking everywhere, dude. Like, yeah, and I don't understand what their, I mean, I don't understand what their whole thought process is behind it, um, but it's like, do they think that they're going to get so overly populated that they're just going to, like, trickle into other flyways? Because if they're not really getting all that much hunting pressure on them, they're probably just going to keep coming back to the same area every year. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same thing, like, you could look at it for, like, deer elk, right? Like... They know where the private land, like ag land is, to where they can just go down there. They have water, they have food, and they've got bedding area. They're probably not going to leave. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yes, I still need to get it. I haven't dove into the elk thing yet, but I might have to pick your brain, brain on that a little bit. I know you're somewhat new into it too, but I haven't even haven't even dove down that rabbit hole yet. You should. I want to. I uh, I got my bow. <clears throat> my brother got his bow from uh, Hans at uh, West Coast Archery. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then um, I came back a year later and bought mine from Hans. And, like, Han, he, knows I, he knows I love duck hunting. You know, I'm a big duck hunter. And he goes, once you start chasing bugling bulls, you'll never look at duck hunting the same. <laughs> and I go, um, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, you're crazy, you know? And then I got into a big bugle scream fest with this bull at like 300 yards on the open face of this mountain. That was that was a super cool experience. And then, uh, dude, I came back and I looked at him and I go, you were 100% right. <laughs> like, that's, that's why I like, dude, I like elk hunting because it gives you that kind of like, interaction and i think that being able to talk to a whole different species yeah you know is just dude nothing can ever rival that yeah well you know what i you know the conclusion i kind of came to of like like sometimes i try to compare duck hunting to big game hunting and stuff and like like sometimes i feel like i i mean like sometimes i like i feel like i just love duck hunting more than anything and then and then deer season comes, and I'm like, no, dude, deer season, like, I, I love this shit, like, a lot. <laughs> yep. and, and then I'm like, and then it's like, I go through phases, and I'm like, dude, what? Is there something wrong with me or what? But, like, I was listening to, you know, have you, you know Steve Evans? He, it sounds familiar. He's a, uh, I interviewed, he was on my podcast, I can't remember what episode, but um, 
he, he was a, he's a waterfowl hunter and he started big game hunting recently and he's been really successful. He was, I, I heard him talking last, he was on a different podcast, but, um, I was listening to him talk about it and I was like, yeah, dude, that's what it is, man. It's, it's, to me, it's like the, it's the pursuit. So like, that's what I like about it. I think of whatever it is, like, I think that's why, like, I'm, I haven't ever committed to a rice blind because like, I just, yeah. I can't like convince myself that paying two grand or 1500 to two grand, whatever it is, a seat is worth it for me. Like, like I don't want to be stuck in one spot and just wait to see if birds come. Like, I mean, it, you are hunting a migratory bird and they're migrating and you still have to, it, it takes a ton of work still. I'm not saying it's like easier or something like it's not, but like for me, like with duck hunting, like I would, I, I would rather pay 1500 or two grand a year on a duck boat payment and like go where the ducks are and like be in pursuit of them and like figure, like go, go hunting for them, like go find them and hunt them. And I think that's why I like deer hunting so much is like, you're like, you're in pursuit and you're like going to find them. Like it, you're not like just sitting there waiting for them or whatever. I don't know. Dude. No, I, I totally agree. And I think that's what the, uh, like the big appeal to elk hunting to me is like, I mean, I totally understand like not wanting to be like locked down into one spot, but like the way I look at it is, a. Uh, you always have a spot to hunt. Yeah, I know. And it's, dude, it's so nice having a blind, like, especially right here, dude, there's so many, there, there's so many good blinds, like right here in the Sac Valley that are within an hour or, yep. or less, dude. I mean, there's some that I hunt, actually the club Steve hunts at, I hunt sometimes with a different guy that hunts there off 99, uh, close to 80, dude, like not even, I mean, it's 20 minutes for me to get there and it's so nice dude i could just show up hop on the quad right out there dude and and just be in your spot and everything's set up and it's it's nice <laughs> it's pretty damn nice yeah and i mean it's especially like if you go to the refuge right and you do the whole refuge rat run which is like i mean you know a lot of opens at six so you're at a refuge before then you know and then it's like haul ass you know try to do a big loop and get somewhere before the lotto closes you know and then it's like oh look like didn't get in anywhere and nobody drew resi we're not hunting tomorrow i feel like i just wasted my time yeah and that's that's how i look at it because then it's like oh, okay well didn't get drawn let's go blind yep yeah you know? and that's where i've always just been one step behind i haven't committed to a blind or a boat so yeah like for me it's just pretty much been the refuges unless i get an invite to a club or something and i don't know you know and now like my kids are starting to grow up and i, I want to start taking them more and you know but then it's like okay so you pay for a seat for you and then what do you pay for another seat for your kid and then what about your other kid and your other kid <laughs> this shit gets expensive dude like two two grand a seat or whatever for four seats and oh yeah <laughs> it's like uh so i don't know I've, I've been getting more in the habit of do, just doing the lotto like kind of toughing it out and just doing the lotto up there with the refugees and taking my trailer up there and like trying to trying to just take it easy and make a good good evening out of it and barbecue and stuff and whatever just chill have a couple drinks oh yeah i i I see, I see the appeal to that. That's like why I, <clears throat> we're kind of blessed with, with my buddy's dad's cabin, you know, it's like 
we can just cruise on back, have some beers, you know, and chill out. So yeah, I, I just like the refuges, dude. Like I've sweat lined so many damn times too, and just been like, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely has its moments. <laughs> that's that's kind of why I've been like kind of going out, you know. Once my buddy moved to Washington, went up there that one time, going up there again, and I've been like looking into Arkansas, South Dakota, North Dakota. Kind of kind of interested to go into the South too, like a uh, Louisiana. Yeah, and go and go check that stuff out because that just looks like a whole nother ball game appealing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a whole nother world. Uh, do you, uh, have, have you, do you follow daybreak outdoors? I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. That looks, that looks hella fun what they do. They, I mean, it's like they all just load up in their boats and like start. It's, it's almost like there's like a, like an opening day or whatever. It looks like there's just like a load of those guys, like, at the boat ramp and like heading out at the, at the same time, <laughs> at the same time in their boats, like running through the timber hella fast. That's crazy. Dude, those guys dude. have some serious balls to do that at like yeah. four o'clock in the morning. You're like hauling like 40 miles an hour in a boat through flooded timber. Yeah, dude. They're just like cruising through like tight little sections of, of trees, dude. Like, you know, and you know what it's like, probably what it's like to be on a boat. I mean, it doesn't necessarily turn like a car. I mean, you're kind of drifting. So it's like, they got, yeah. those guys got some skills, dude. Like, they do that shit a lot. Yeah, those guys, it's pretty bad to the bone to watch those. Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, and they have all those, those like, badass, you know, done-up duck boats with all the underglow and, like... Yeah. Dude, it's just, it's fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> You, uh, and then you just take one bad turn and you wreck it and you, you know you stuff a tree into it and then there's your forty thousand dollar duck boat down the drain. Yeah, dude, you, <laughs> you definitely hear horror stories. I, like I have a buddy that a buddy that has a buddy that uh, was running his boat in the in the bay one time and the tide the tide went down and him and his dad were in the boat and his dad so they they were they were going pretty fast and they they like bottomed out on the bottom of the bay like they like bottomed the boat out and, and his dad flew over the front of the boat and the boat slid on top of him dude and just stopped right on top of his dad and like was on top of him smushing him down into the mud in the bay underwater like in, under the boat Jeez. so he had to get out in that marsh dude and like lift the boat up somehow and get like pull his dad out like like dude holy crap dude how but like that's that's scary dude yeah that's that's not good <laughs> yeah it's like it could, like things can change so quick and like you hear about guys guys taking like cheap boats out too and like hitting you know going in like flooded areas or something and hitting like a like a fence post that's underwater and it rips their boat open like a tin can and they drown like i think that stuff happens like every year up here yeah, geez. But it's so it's kind of scary. But I think as long as you know the area and you have a good equipment, a good boat with some thick gauge metal and stuff, then it'd be all right. But <laughs> it's kind of scary. Yep. But yeah, man. Well, we're almost at two hours, dude. Holy shit! <laughs> it's yeah, it's nine forty. Killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover or if you want to stop it there. We can 
I mean, I, we'll probably definitely do it again another time too. We can dig into all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we went down some serious rabbit holes on different topics and stuff. That was killer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. I think I might. I think when I edit this, I might just break this up into like a two-part series because whoever's gonna listen to us for two hours, like right on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Huh? It is. Yeah, yeah so. I've only done I think a couple that are like two hours worth, but yeah, it's probably not a bad idea to do two. We could even like that first half was like kind of focused around big game, and the second half was turned out to be more like duck hunting stuff. So we could switch it up or do it all in one whatever yeah i think i might do that actually just kind of look at it you know edit it all up uh this weekend and then just be like okay like we went off the course right here towards duck hunting bam that's a new episode yeah (laughs) so (laughs) hell yeah all right dude i'm gonna go and uh get cleaned up and ready for bed okay sounds good man yeah you gotta get up early i'll be up uh a little after you probably, but <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, dude. It was good talking to you and everything. Fucking yeah, you too. We'll definitely, we should get together this year and hunt. And uh, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Man. Always down to meet some new hunting buddies or whatever, and expand the opportunities and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm down, man. That, cool. Yeah, that's what it all. That's what it's all about to me. So hell yeah. All right, dude. I'm going to head out. Right on, man. Appreciate it, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Sean. It was killer. All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. All right, bye.